Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with my co-host, Rachel Santiso. Now, hello. I was going to say good morning, but we know that people watch these at all hours of the day or night. Right. Absolutely. So good, whatever it is for you. Yes. Good Good day, good night, good, good whatever. Uh, this is one of the most watched podcasts about addiction and recovery, and we're available... You can watch us on YouTube, just Google Odyssey House Journals, or listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeart. We're available everywhere. We have people actually all over the world listening and watching us. So that's that's why you look so good today, Rachel, because you know, you know, Igor in Russia, who has the thoughts for you, is watching right now. So say hi to Igor. Hi, Igor. I'm I'm definitely um team Igor. I miss hearing about him. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. Two weeks has been too long, so. Yeah, it has. I've got, uh, I, we always try to start out with the news story. I wish we had some kind of news tone, like saying, and now the news. <laughs> there you go. Uh, this is from the uh, Centers for Disease Control uh, and Prevention. Overdose deaths linked to synthetic benzodiazepines rose more than sixfold between 2019 and 2020. Uh, underground labs are making new synthetic versions of prescription benzos, uh, things like Valium, Xanax, and Ativan. And, and overdose deaths involving prescription benzos increased as well. But the warning here was the fact that if you buy what somebody says is Xanax on the street, you have no idea what's in it, right? Right, absolutely. And I, I remember, um, I've heard a lot about when people do take, even if it's not the synthetic type, that when you take the benzos that you completely black out, you're, you're operating, but you have no clue what you did the day before while you were on it. So then you add the synthetic type, so you don't even know what's in addition to that. Oh, that's a scary, definitely a scary concoction right there. So I'm not surprised by that. And and if you combine benzos with with something like alcohol or something, it can be deadly. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely a scary thought. You said right. blackouts, and that reminded me of you know I'm a recovering alcoholic, and you're a recovering addict, and I don't know if you have blackouts when you're doing the drug you're doing, but I had blackouts all the time when I was when I was drinking too much. Oh yeah, I would wake up, so I would not out a lot, and I'd wake up often with just melted chocolate in, in places that I didn't even know where I was at, but I would oftentimes wake up with melted chocolate all over me. Explain that. I, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. So my drug of choice was heroin. And so I would wake up and I would be have melted chocolate. I like the, the sugar and the chocolate. And so it would just be melted all over in random areas. Cause you think you can stay up. So my first reaction is for some reason, like I would be on top of the world and I'd have energy and be energized, but then you eventually start nodding out from it and I would be hungry. And so chocolate sugars were my go-to. So gotcha. yeah. I'd never heard, never heard of somebody coming out of a blackout with melted chocolate, but. Well, and let's truth be told, I still wake up today with melted chocolate in my bed, but I'm completely <laughs> sober, so. <laughs> well, if, if people watching don't understand addiction or blackouts, you see the picture behind me on the wall? Yes. Okay, that's sort of like your brain when it's blacked out. Yes. Color. 
Hey, we have a we have a, a an exciting guest today. A guest who who proves that no matter how dismal your past might be, recovery is possible. David Mariscal, uh, come, if you'd like to sign in, David. There we go. How are you, David? Good. How about you guys? Hi. <laughs> and the reason. The reason it, that David has such a colorful wall behind him is you're in a tattoo parlor, right? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm at work right now. Work. So, and Rachel's no stranger to tattoos. Show us your arm. Yeah, see? Very much so. Huge fan. Uh, well, we're glad you joined us. And, and David was introduced to us by a, another uh, person in recovery uh, who went through Odyssey House. Uh, and David, maybe you could just tell us a little about your past. I said, I said, recovery is possible no matter how dismal your past is, and and you do have a fairly dark past. If you could just sort of summarize it for us. Yeah, I, well, I grew up in Southeast LA in California. Um, my past is a lot of gang violence with it, along with it, and um, a lot of drug use as well, and um. I went through all that and in 2000, no, in 1993, I went to prison for almost related things about drugs. And I spent 26 years in prison and I just barely got out two years ago. Wow. That's a, that's a long time in prison. Did you, did you, did you get anything out of prison in a positive way? That I could do it, <laughs> that I could really get myself out of the gutter and um and continue moving on forward from you no know, it doesn't matter what what dark area you're in or your past it the past is more of a of a teacher of what's coming up in front of you and i've learned that <clears throat> from all those mistakes that i've done i learned from my, my as well and along the way, I've, I've grown to be who I am now. Where were you in prison? Was it in California? Were you here? No, I, I got, I got, um, I was incarcerated in Nevada. Okay. Yeah, I was incarcerated because I, like I said, with drug use and everything, what I was doing, it, it led me to that path out there in Nevada and back again into the same BS that. It had. <laughs> And it got me caught up. Well, that, that's interesting. So you've served a, a long time, right? And generally speaking, the story that we hear is, is that once you're incarcerated, it, it keeps the, the cycle going. It does. Especially when you're in a gang, right? And the drugs and the violence. So how did you get out of that cycle? It It's crazy because um, I, I used a lot when I was in prison. I was using heroin. And it went on for, for a long time. So right after, I want to say like, when I was like, it's crazy when I was 33, it, it just hit me. It hit me that what was I doing to myself and to my loved ones as well, because I was dragging them. I had drug them through the mud, through all my childhood and and my adult life. I drug everybody and, it, and it's been, it's hurtful, you know? And it's, it's something that, that, that 
I don't know what it was. It, it was a, just a little light switch that, and that was in the hole, as a matter of fact, in, in prison. And I was um looking out the window, watching somebody go get escorted to, to the little yard wreck that we had. And it's just, the reason I was in, I, I was on the door, it was for malicious reasons. Cause I was waiting for the door to open see if I could go out there on the tier and hurt this person. It was, it was just that, then it just hit me. I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I being like a predator to another human? And it's just started, I started really thinking about everything that I've done through the whole, my whole thing in prison and, and on the streets as well. And what, what it created, it created a person that I don't want to be that person any longer. And it it's that made that little switch on me as well that I didn't want to be that person. And I started slowly really like letting go of everything, just a piece at a time. Until I got I don't know, it was a miracle, whatever it was, you want to call it, that when they my my number came up to go because I had life without without parole so my whole means of life I didn't care about it that was the whole reason and but at, at that time my case was getting overlooked and and everything got overturned and it started it was so slow but it was so a, a little grind where I was losing hope I was losing hope with with everybody I was losing hope with the justice system I was losing hope with with everybody, everybody that was around me because of the reason that, that it was taking so long. And, but when, once that, like that one instant when I was in the hole looking out that window, it hit me. I'm like, what am I doing? I could have that little chance to be out there, not worried about the next person or the next hit, the next high, whatever it was that I was doing, I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to be that person any longer. So, like I said, it was doing pieces by pieces. I was where I would stop acting a certain way. I would stop um, investing in myself more in with education and and other things that that made me get me occupied on, on, on certain things, you know. And it, it it helped me. It did help me, and and it made me the person that I am today. And, and it, I'm still continuing doing things that to help myself and others as well and, and try to guide them as well, you know? And um, this one thing that I've, that I've learned and, and there was a, a, a certain person that told me this, that he told me knowledge is not to be kept, it's to be shared. But when he told me that, it hit me as well where I need to do that where I need to give out more than what, what, what I have and share certain things that I know and, and guide them in, in certain ways. So it was one of those things that it, it was helpful for, for me as well, you know? We, um, so many people, yeah, I, I facilitate a family support group and they have loved ones who are, were, who are in the situation you were in. 
And they want to know, and I guess we do too, working at Odyssey House, is how do you flip that light switch? I mean, what 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 happened? I mean, because you describe it as switching a, you know, just an on-off switch. And, and what was it that I did that? I, I honestly, I do not know. It was something that, I don't know. I, I can't really put it in words. It was just something that, like people say, I see the, I seen the light. I did see it. I did see it in that, and you know how they say the, their life flashed before your your eyes went, but that's when death is going, and that was certainly heading towards that. And it switched. It just switched. It was something that I had to replay my whole my whole life, what what I could remember, because <laughs> most of the times I can't remember because of certain things because of drugs you know because there's there's certain things that i don't remember and when i'm talking to my sibling they'll remind me of certain things that i'm like what are you talking about and they'll and they'll say from they'll reenacted from not reenacted but stated from word to word and what what happened and just little things that i do remember not the whole situation but I'll remember certain things. I'm like, oh, it did happen. So it's something that, that like back to what, what you asked me, what, what was that little light switch? I can't put it in words. It's just, I don't know, it just happened. It just happened. It was something that it was, I seen the light. <laughs> I, I, that's all I could explain it. Well, if, if we could market that and, and, and had that light switch available at a place like Odyssey, or, or, or if we own the rights to that light switch, we could make billions of dollars around the world. Exactly, exactly. It, but it's more of, you have to really reach inside your, your, your being where into your heart as well. Really touch it and, and see what is it that you're missing? What is it that brought you to, that, to where you're at? Because where I was at, it was, I wasn't happy. I wasn't satisfied with what, what I was doing. I wasn't, and everybody reaches out for certain things, certain addictions to reach for that happiness, but it's not happiness. It just leads you deeper into, into sadness. And I just wanted to switch that around. I didn't want to be sad no more. So I went ahead and just, like I said, it was little by little I started putting things away, you know, because it's still there. I know that. And I still fight it. We all do, you know, but it's the certain things that you have to remind yourself that that's what you don't want. You don't want that sadness no more. And that's what everybody wants. If you ask a certain people, you'll, those most of them will say, yeah, money, but money doesn't resolve anything. But there's a real majority of people will say that. They want happiness, and that's the that's the main thing about life. It's just being happy, being happy with for what you got, being happy with who you're around with, and and, and what's going on around you. Because if if you just if you rage over small little things, you'll get stuck on that, and it's and it's hard to if you keep on moving it around, it's not gonna change. It, it'll be the same way. It's just like a stone on the floor. 
if you start moving it around, yeah, it'll change route, but it's still stone. It still remains the same thing. And that's what I wanted to change about myself. I wanted to push to be happy again, you know, as when I was a kid, growing up as a kid, you know, then that's what everybody wants. David, so you're living this life, right? And it's all you know for a long time. So the gang, the violence, you know, all of that. And then you go to prison. So you have this life on top of it. And then you see the light. Gratefully, I think the, the light shows you is what, yeah. it, what it feels like to me, right? Um, and clearly for a reason. And so, but then there's the barriers when you leave prison, right? You got the felony charges, gaps of employment, how do you find housing, all the things. So, so I, tell, I would love the world to hear like, what did you do at that point? So now you have a whole new set of barriers. So when you leave prison, what did you do? How are you maintaining? Now you're in Utah employed, like, what did you do and how are you maintaining that sobriety? I was blessed because of my family, you know. I had the choice, I had choices to either go back to California, stay in Nevada, or come out here to, to Utah, because my sister lives out here. And and for my sake and for my own happiness, I I chose Utah. And I and it's the best choice that I've done so far, you know, because it's it has shown me something that even the people out here, you, sometimes it might be cheaper or whatever you might call it. They're genuinely like giving, you know, they're more, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just different from, from what I'm used to. That's the, that's what I'm want to say of on that, on that about me moving out here, you know? So you, so you move out here, and how do you, I guess what Rachel, how did you overcome the obstacle? I mean, you've got, you've got a horrible, if, if anybody does a background check on you, it's like, no, 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 no. We're not gonna hire this guy. We're not gonna let him live here. How did you work through all those barriers that people who, who have a criminal background have, you know, have to work through? Yeah, there's people out there that, that, that will hire you and everything, but there's also people that would take advantage of you because of your situation. And that exactly that's what happened to me as well when I got out where I was working as a framer and the individual that, that gave me that chance to work for him, he was underpaying me. He was paying me $12 an hour, which is something I was grateful that I had a job and I stuck around him for 10 months. But like I said, I wasn't happy. So my happiness, which I knew what it was, was tattooing. So I went ahead and, and pursued it. And I went out to shops and everything. And, and I was blessed that I ran into the shop owner that, that, that I'm working for, which is Steve Webster. He, he's the one that opened the doors and, and, and let me in because I sat down with them and I was truthful. And, and, and I told him about my background and what was my whole situation. But I, I showed him that I could do this, where I could tattoo. And I knew the, the whole concept of art as well. So he gave me that chance and, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for that man, you know, that yeah. he did 
as, as not, you know? The, the key, uh, and I think this is what we tell our people who are leaving Odyssey House, is when, when you do go out looking for jobs and things like that, is honesty. I mean, yeah. you, you don't say, you know, on the question, do you have a criminal background? You don't say no when you do, you know, you, but so th that made a difference for you too. Yeah, it's, it's more if, if, like in that question, if you put, if, like being honest, saying that I would rather talk to you in person about this situation, then you'll see they'll, they'll give you that little chance. If, if they give you that chance to speak to them face to face, then that's one chance. And it'll probably open other, other chances to, for you to get hired as well. And it is just, it's funny because you, what you say that, because there's a lot of people, when I was in prison and I used to, you know, be in the different programs in there and everything, I was programming, you know? And I would hear other people that been in and out of the system. And that was one thing that they, they, they always used to um, fall back onto that, oh, they wouldn't hire me, oh, they, it was their fault. But they never looked at the reason that it was their own fault as well because they fell back to their own own um drug habits whatever habits that they had they fell back to them and that's where where a lot of us that's where we mess up at if we go back to things that are comfortable and if we have to make ourselves uncomfortable like right now i'm, I'm uncomfortable talking to you guys <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a great job yeah, all right <laughs> But I, I am comfortable, you know. I'm sweating. If, if you, <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm sweating. <laughs> Speaking about that, David, how are you? Because it is, it's about maintaining your sobriety and we have to work on it every day. What are you doing to, to, to try every day to ensure that you don't go back to that life? Um, I, I hate to say it this way, but I'm a workaholic now. Instead of, <laughs> that's what yeah. I am. Yeah. I, I try to focus more on on the craft that I do because mm -hmm. that's what makes me happy. And, and I'm going to continue on it and grow on it. And like I said, that, that knowledge, mm -hmm. I want to give that knowledge to other upcoming artists as well because we got each other to, to focus on, on, on this certain craft because it is a craft. Not, not everybody could do it. It's, it's a hard thing, you know? It's a very hard thing, but sharing those little things that, that we do know with each other, it's, it's a great thing, you know? It makes me happy. It's, a, it's finding your purpose, right? Your purpose before was um, trying to get ahead and hurt people and all these things, but now you want you to put meaning and purpose on people's bodies like I know why I have tattoos and what they mean for me and I wouldn't let you're absolutely right I wouldn't let just anybody tattoo me and so you found your purpose and it makes you feel like someone the person you're always meant to be and so you have a purpose in life. Yeah, it's, it's almost being like a, a therapist as well like because the stories yeah it's being like a therapist it's because as you know, you got tattoos and you an artist, whoever did your tattoos, you got stories in between you guys that 
and it's it's something that that I enjoy doing. I enjoy um talking to people. I enjoy doing all that. When before I was real antisocial, mm-hmm. didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't really want to be around nobody. But now it's it's just different. I want to be out there. I want to talk to people. I want to tattoo people. I want to talk to. Them. I want to hear about them. And when they ask me about me, where where I learned how to do this craft, I do tell them. I tell them I learned in prison. I learned how to. I honed it more in prison than anything else. And and out here I'm um, I'm developing it a little bit more. And they ask me. They always ask me when I say that that I went through prison. They'll ask me how long I've been there. And then when I tell them, they, they look at me like if I'm lying to them because <laughs> I don't look I don't look my age or something. I don't know. There's some they say that, that I look 30, 32, 34, but I'm I'm actually 46, you know. And, and and it's crazy when I tell them my age, they're like, What? I thought you were a little bit old. I mean, a little bit younger. Then because it's I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's the happiness that makes keeping me younger <laughs> i don't know <laughs> hey, rachel, rachel show us bring your tattoo closer to the camera lens um so my recent one yeah whatever I'll, I'll do this one just because my grandson his name is atlas and like and he's um half korean so i have like the korean flag and then the mountains so all of the work that i have i have several tattoos but this has been since i've been sober and so I wear it on my sleeve and I just keep adding as things keep coming in my life. And my um, tattoo artist is in recovery. And so we've just shared it throughout the years, like everything that comes up. Um, and so you're right, the, the therapy and you are absolutely right. My, so. my point of asking you was I, I wanted people to see how intricate the tattoos can be. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and David described that as a craft. And really, artwork, you know, heavy-duty artwork. Oh, and elephants. I love elephants. Wow. Yeah. So, so, David, if, if you had been the one to put those tattoos on her arm, uh, how would you feel seeing her show it off? And, and I'm sure you have people who do. Yeah, I, I would be. I'm, I'm proud who... <laughs> When they show off my work, I would have been proud as her. I, I should be proud of her artist too, you know, because it's. I call you. Yeah. <laughs> we have a chance to, since since you're willing to go through the sweat and bearing your soul for people, put in a plug for where you're working and how people can get a hold of you. I, I work at um in out of um Salt Lake in Marauder Tattoo. It's and- awful. 4700 south and 900 east okay all right and they can and they can ask for you and you can you can do artwork (laughs) we both work here so (laughs) is it it because of what you i'm curious like like one of the people that you work with is an odyssey graduate um uh, we'll say his name windell i mean he's a he's a wonderful example of, of what people have learned in odyssey and why is it that you got, how, how did you guys get hooked up? I, it's, it's crazy how, how things are because um, it was through another person that were tattooing, both of us were tattooing and he was looking for, for a shop to work at. And, but he didn't take up the opportunity because of, I guess he was um, working at 
at Odyssey out. Right. And, and I guess he 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 finished up his um, contract there and everything. So he wanted to come back to the craft where where he loves doing as well, you know. And he came through with some some other artists and it was crazy because it, it was it was spoken about beforehand, but he didn't take up the that 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 one time he didn't take it up for other reasons. But when he took it up, I, I was I was glad. I was glad and we started talking and um we spoke about our past, we spoke about you know what, what we're heading what, on, on our own journeys and everything. And and out of conversation, um this came up where well, my idea was to speak my knowledge as well, you know, and, and help out other people the best I could. And let me up with you guys. He, he, he told me, go ahead and reach out to these people. And, um, and that's, that's a path I wanted, I, I'm willing to take as well, you know, and that's, it's just like certain paths that, that people take up. It, it's, it's a choice that we do have. But it's a beautiful choice if if you go and pursue it, you know. If it's for the correct reasons, you know, <laughs> not not for for not any reasons. And and it's crazy too because um, there's this one thing too that 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 I've that I've learned. There's two reasons that you run into people. It's either to build a a relationship or to learn something from them. So those two two purposes that we run into people, but we have to really listen to them to see what they have for you or for anybody else. It might not be for you that little thing that they they're they're teaching you. It might be for somebody else, and it's just like when Del and and myself when we ran into our our past came came together, and this is happening now. It's it's something where. It's growing and, and I'm hoping it grows a lot further, you know. We are out of time and, and you have, you know, yeah, you, you make me think an awful lot because you had a you had a pretty bad background and then you have a light switch go on in prison and and now you just happen to have this chance meeting at at, at a tattoo parlor. <laughs> and it sounds like your life is right on track. So, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your life with us. Rachel, a final thought? Um, yeah, well, when I just have a quick question, did you ever wake up with melted chocolate on you? <laughs> <laughs> you can be honest. No, but I, to be honest, I, when I was on it, it I did. With, Things with, like that, just, okay. And then you're in good hands. Like, I'm so incredibly proud of you. I don't have to know your entire story. I'm incredibly proud of you. And you are in such good hands. And you are, like, just full of light. And I'm so happy you found your purpose. You're where you're supposed to be, my friend. And Wendell's one of the best people I know. So I'm just incredibly proud of you. You know, and the important thing about this podcast and what you have just shared is that hopefully other people in a similar situation will see this and say, well, if he can do it, I can too. That's for sure. <laughs> That's so, for sure. We could all could do it. It's, it's just, it, it's a, with, it, it is within us. It is within us. We, it's just put it from, from my last thoughts too, is when everybody learns how to walk when you're a kid, 
you don't stay crawling. You get up and do it again. Even though if that fall hurts, you still get up and, and keep doing it. And you'll end up running afterwards. And that's, that's the way it is. That's good advice. Thank you for sharing your life with us. And, uh, you know, good luck. It's Marauder's Tattoos, right? Marauder's Tattoos, yeah. All right. There's, there's the second plug. Thanks. Thanks, David. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.